Cheers. Love you, brother. Now, I've just got to close these curtains because it's causing my, my son to fall into temptation. It's the one thing he comes for is that little car there. <laughs> Hangs out for an all service so I can get there up there afterwards. Isn't that funny? The things that we get excited about, hey? Um, I think I'm probably one of the most serious people I know. Who's a serious person? Like, who's like, yes, you know, you know, when you just get shocked by your own seriousness, that's me. Danny's like, what the heck is seriousness? What are you even talking about? Um, I think my brother-in-law is actually probably the most serious person I know, actually. But everyone know? Did anyone meet my brother-in-law, Drew? He is a serious guy, isn't he? Serious? Like, he's another level of seriousness. Um, But Anyway, I don't have a problem with it, but sometimes, I don't know if you've been on the phone and you've been talking to someone and you're sort of in this serious mood and you start to get overwhelmed with just their joy and life. And sometimes seriousness can come in and actually, sometimes it can fall into like discouragement as well, where it's just like you carry this discouraging attitude. Hey, I'm just going to do something really quickly or we'll be fighting this all day. Okay. That's right. It's when you realize it's, it's not worth the fight, is it? That's right. <clears throat> it was, um, I think it was probably, I think it was probably about two, two months ago, I was in an interesting place and I was talking on the phone with, I can't remember who it was, it might have been like Liam or Dave or someone. And as they're talking, they're just so positive on the phone. And I was just like, whoa. And it was exposing in me maybe some negativity and some mind, like things that I wasn't even aware of, but I was actually like lack of faith, lack of joy, lack of hope in my life. And I can tell you in my heart, I felt great. Like I was believing the truth. I knew who I was. I felt like I was living free from fear, but I wasn't like, I wasn't a child. Kids are really good at having fun. No one wants a serious kid, right? I mean, nothing's wrong with super serious kids, but, you know, but kids know how to have fun. They enjoy life. And the kingdom of God, for us to enter in, we must become like a little child. Joy, hey, expectation, excitement. When someone has an idea, you're not the first one to jump off and go, I don't know if that's going to work, mate. You know, you're the, you know, you can realize that your attitude's not quite right when someone shares something and you're the first one to cut it down, Right? He's, he's, who am I talking to right now? I was like, yeah, to, yeah. And, and um, I was on the phone and I started just, just questioning this guy about a whole lot of things and I got off the phone and I just felt really uneasy. And so it took me into this time of going, well, God, what, what's going on in my life? Because this is not who I am. Like, you know, you're, um, you know, 
God actually says yes to us. He gets excited around who we are. He doesn't go, well, have you thought this out completely? You know, he's the giver of all wisdom, and yet all the promises, all his promises are yes and amen to us. You know, he's not a God who goes, well, have you fully thought this out? I'm going to put rules and regulations because I don't want you to get hurt. He's a, he's a God who, who is willing to take risks, yes? And I found that I was starting to retreat because I was, wanted to, I was scared about risk. And do you know that faith always entails risk? Are you aware of that? You know, the just live by faith. And so a part of a believer's life is, is a life of risk. It doesn't, mentally doesn't make sense to our mind. It's not the ways of this world where we're trying to continually, to continually protect ourselves. It's actually about trusting the Lord. It's about stepping into a realm that is, is, is supernatural where we see God actually engage with our world because we've placed ourselves in a place of faith which entails risk. Like getting out of the boat is risky. It doesn't make sense to your mind. Standing up to a giant is risky. It doesn't make sense to your mind. You know, this is the God that we we serve. He's the one that invites us, continually called his disciples into risky situations. Into um, he, he stirred up the people who wanted to kill him and then he kept on stirring them up more. And, and the disciples were like, why don't you know that they want to kill you? And yet they were, the, you know, that was the life of God on earth, a life of trust trust and faith of excitement. When you look at Jesus, I don't see a life in Jesus of just continual discouragement, and yet he had so much reason to be discouraged. I mean, he's the creator of the universe. He rocks up to his creation and they hate him. I mean, if anyone had a reason to be discouraged, it would be him, right? But we don't see any discouragement in his life. You know, there's a passage... Um, in Revelations, I just started reading through Revelations, Revelations chapter 5, verse 9. And um, it's really, really cool. I love just reading through. I haven't read through Revelations for a long time, so just to come back and read through this book, it's just full and rich of just, also just like the nature and the characteristics of Jesus is all through that book. And then to measure that with the Gospels has been really, really fun. And, and, and the new creation message of life in Christ and and, um, but there's this passage in Revelations 5, 9, and, he's, and, he, and they've, John's in, in heaven, and there's a scroll, and no one can open the scroll, and then Jesus comes forward, and all of creation, all of the earth, all of heaven yells out, worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seal. Jesus, worthy are you. You're the worthy one. You're the one that can crack open these things. Isn't that amazing? That there's some things that can only be opened by God himself. Isn't that amazing? Like I just that Jesus was found worthy, and why was he worthy? For you were slain. Isn't that incredible. The value of God Himself increased when He died for us. He suddenly became worthy. Worthy to see everything that God wanted to entail because He was slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe. We've got a few tribes here today. Got a couple. Got my friends here. Do you guys know Solomon? His beautiful family. You guys are from India, is that right? Or Sri Lanka? Awesome. And then we got the rest of the Europeans here, is that right? <laughs> Scottish. We've got some Chinese over there. We're actually a living prophecy that God ransomed people from every tribe and every tongue. 
You know, when John was writing this, it was the church was just starting to blossom. It started to spread not just through the Jewish people. It started to go out to every tribe and tongue. All the nations around started hearing about this God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And suddenly they were seeing the fulfillment of this prophecy that God would call the people that were not his own as his own. Isn't that cool? We, I think sometimes we just take this for granted. We're living in the fullness of this now. This prophecy, we actually are living in the fullness of this prophecy. For, we, for us, it's not even a prophecy because it's an actual fact. But John's prophesying something that we're living in now. Isn't that cool? From every tribe, every tongue, and people, and nation. Oh, and guess what he made them? So this is, this is why he gets the glory, okay? This is why he gets to open the seal, is you've made them a kingdom. You've made them priests to our God. Isn't that cool? You know, we take that on board like you're a, God has a priesthood and you're it. The living God of the universe created a priesthood for himself and you're it. Isn't that cool? The, our role is to minister and be ministers of the Lord. To minister to him and the minister from him to the world. That's so cool. That's like, I mean, if you think that you were, had no meaning in life, this should give you some hope. You were selected. You've been chosen for this. This isn't you try harder so you can be this. This is God chose you. He ransomed you. He didn't say anything about you doing it, you working harder, you became better, you got rid of your sin in your life. He said, no, he chose you, he made them a kingdom. His kingdom, he he invited you, he chose you to be his kingdom, he chose you to be his priest. And guess what we shall do? They shall reign on the earth. Our lives as believers to fulfill the ransoming work of the Son of God is that we would reign in life, reign on earth. Isn't that cool? I mean, that's a very different theology to what I was brought up with, which was like survive to get to heaven, you know, make it through the next week, hopefully. You know, you're just dirty, rotten sinners, but God's grace is that he loves you anyway. I mean, it's not that. It's like, no, he's called you a kingdom. He's brought you a priesthood. And now you get to reign in life. And for me, that, when, when I'm on the phone to a friend and I'm shooting him down, guess what? I'm aware that I'm not reigning. And that's okay because we're maturing, you know. It's like when we realize that our salvation has got nothing to do with us, all we get to do is grow. All we get to do is discover it creates humility in our hearts to learn. It creates a beautiful culture that we can mature and grow in the Lord. And so I was like, God, what's, what's going on? It was a couple of weeks, and I went up to my parents' farm. And uh, this is only, this is probably like a month and a half ago. And so this is just a fresh word from the Lord. And I hope that, Holy Spirit, you would just open up hearts right now. This wouldn't just be good stories, but you would come and open up hearts right now. And you would just come and shift things in our lives that we would actually just reign in life that everyone in this room would reign like a son and a daughter of the Most High, that they would walk into everything that you've ordained them to walk in, that you paid for the price for, Lord God, in their lives, that they would grab a hold of it, manifest it, release your will on earth, that there would be kings and priests reigning as sons of the living God, releasing heaven on earth in Jesus' name. 
Amen. I'm so passionate about this. I, 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 for me, it's, it's not just, it's my hope. Hope is like my hope is wrapped up in reigning in life because it's what he paid for. It's what he invites us into. And so I went up to this hill and um, I don't know if you guys have seen this, but throughout scripture, there's these Beitel places and you might have them in your house. You might have them in your life. For me, my parents own a farm in Mansfield, and they've got this hill on the farm, and so I like to climb up there at night time, and it's where God encounters me. It's interesting. I know he encounters me all different places, but it's sort of like Abraham. He continually went back to this one place, Bethel, and had an encounter with the living God. Actually, it wasn't Bethel. That was Jacob. Um, where was it? Anyway, he would always go back to this place, and every time he did, he had built an altar, and God would reveal things. And so I'm up on this hill, and I'm praying to God, and I'm speaking to him. And um, clear as a bell, I just felt like the Lord tell me, hey, Jalil, discouragement is not your friend. Discouragement will only rob from you. Now... <clears throat> If you know anything about my last year, who had a great 2019 or 2018? Who wants to relive 2018? <laughs> who doesn't want to relive 2018? <laughs> There's a few of us around. 2018 was a super hard year for some of my best friends. And um, I think just like I, I've seen, there's a lot of trials that took place in 2018. 2018, we had a business that crumbled. Um, we launched and... Closed a business in five months. Pretty epic. And um, we lost all our savings. It ended up in all this debt. And our heart was fully invested in it. We were super excited about it. We felt like the Lord was on it. And, um, <clears throat> and uh, disappointment happens. Do you know that we all encounter disappointment? Do you know Jesus encountered disappointment? Like he was disappointed with the generation. He was disappointed. Life throws at us disappointments. You think about David. I mean, David was the king of disappointments. You know, he's this shepherd boy who just knew to encounter God. He'd sit there and play worship music to God. Isn't that amazing? On a harp. He tapped into something that we live in every day. You're aware of that. Like he cracked something open for the world to learn about God that leads us into encounters and leads us into victory. But David did it on the side of a hill playing music to God. And we discovered that a boy could encounter God outside the temple, outside the priesthood. That God actually wanted hearts and music and arts was a way to encounter him and God was all about that. And so David was like, many think that he was an illegitimate boy, that he was actually, he, he's, um, that he... He was born out of wedlock. David says that he was conceived in sin. And so anyway, if you guys know the story of David, Nathan the prophet, is it Samuel or Nathan? Samuel? Samuel the prophet goes up to anoint, um, to find a son out of the um, sons of Jesse. And Jesse, the father, David's father, gets all the boys out the front and they all pass in front of Samuel. And Samuel doesn't find any of them that are called by God to carry the anointing. I mean, think about this, right? you you're not chosen, right? You're just left out in the field. I mean, rejection can lead to disappointment, and disappointment can lead to discouragement. He rocks up on the battlefield to slay, you know, to meet his brothers where Goliath is, um, 
is declaring war on the Israelites. And the first thing their brothers do is give him a hard time. You've just come out to see the battle. He finally slays Goliath. It's awesome. He becomes Saul's right-hand man. And then Saul goes after, kill him, goes after him to kill him. I mean, you think about a guy who has disappointment in his life. Think about David. But David never, we barely ever see him move into discouragement. And so I'm up in the hill and the Lord says to me, Jalil, discouragement is not your friend. I'm just going to read through some passages that he just led me into. And um, I, just, I feel like there's a whole, that we, we've been sharing this in our community and we're starting to see things shift in people's minds because we are always going to have disappointment, but we do get to live free from discouragement. Yeah? Jesus, you know, he's disappointed with Capernaum. He said if, if the miracles had been done here like they'd been done in Sodom and Gomorrah, Sodom and Gomorrah would have repented. But he didn't just stop. He goes, I'm going home now. That's, that's it. Me and my father, we're, I'm going to stop here. I'm discouraged. And, and the question is, how do we deal with disappointment but live free from discouragement? That's the question that, we, that I was asking. So I'm up on the hill and the Lord's like, Jalil, you're discouraged. And he, he actually pointed me directly back to my business. And every time I thought about my business, I couldn't, think, I couldn't see past this one week where I realized the business was over and I just didn't want to get out of bed. It's like the dream died in me. It was like three, three and a half years of like planning this thing up from building a food truck in my shed to like putting every coin that we saved as missionaries away into business that we're going to slowly see this thing do a king. And then, and then those, five, those five days of just realizing, oh my goodness, we've lost it all and we're in immense debt. And like that was a waste of five years of my life. And, and whenever I looked back, that my, my disappointment had led to discouragement. I couldn't see past that. I couldn't think about my business. It just brought too much pain. I, we couldn't, I didn't want to even deal with it. It took us like months and months to even start to work out how we we're going to get free of it. I just didn't want to think about it because of the pain. So once you turn your Bibles into Numbers chapter 32. Numbers chapter 32, Moses is um, talking to the children of Israel and he's encouraging them. Um, to get ready to go in and take the promised land. They've, they spent 40 years in the wilderness. The generation that came out of, out, of Exod, out of Egypt in Exodus has all died in the wilderness. And now Moses is encouraging the children of Israel to get ready to go in and take the promised land. And he has a word for... <clears throat> he has a word for... Gad and Reuben, because Gad and Reuben had actually taken up land on the, is it the east side of the Jordan? Eastern side of the Jordan, which wasn't actually the promised land. God had given the children of Israel everything west of the Jordan. That was the promised land. And so they had taken up residency and they were living there. And, and um, Moses has this really strong word with them. And he says to them, shall your brothers go to, the war, go to war while you sit here? Why will you discourage the heart of the people of Israel from going over into the land that the Lord has given them? Discouragement robs you of promise. On the the other side of discouragement is a promise for you to inherit. But discouragement, if you 
live with it, which often we can live with discouragement as a friend. It wraps around our heart and brings us a false sense of comfort. Are you aware of that? It, it, sometimes I've seen people just wrap themselves in discouragement and, li- and they just never walk out the promises of God in their life. And whenever you ask them why, it just leads back to this point and then this point and this point. And it's always the bad things that are happening in their life. And you'll start to realize that they never see the good anymore. Because ro- discouragement robs you of seeing God's perspective and only lets you see what the devil's doing. It makes you introverted. It makes you self-focused. It shifts your view from a heavenly perspective to an earthly perspective. And discouragement will rob you of the promise. That's why we think about some of the greatest entrepreneurs. Like Elon Musk. You guys know Elon Musk? He's an amazing guy. He says that starting a business is like chewing on glass while staring into the abyss. (laughs) That's not encouraging, is it? But this guy, you know, you see these businessmen who keep on going and it's the ones who keep standing that make it. It's not the number of times you fall, it's those who get back up. Isn't that interesting? How do we get back up? And so he says here, he says to the, to these, to the children, he says, Why will you discourage the heart of the people of Israel from going over into the land that the Lord God has given them? Your fathers did this. What did your fathers do? Your fathers discouraged the children of Israel. Do you know what? The promises of God are sometimes a bit of a shock to us. Because God doesn't always tell us the whole picture. You're going to the land flowing of milk and honey. And they rock up there. And there's a land with milk and honey full of giants. God, you forgot to mention that there's giants in the land. You forgot to tell us that there's these people that make us feel like grasshoppers. And suddenly disappointment grabbed a hold of them and stopped them in their tracks from walking into the promise. Except for Joshua and Caleb. For when they went up to the valley of Eshcol and saw the land, they discouraged the heart of the people of Israel from going into the land that the Lord had given them. And the Lord's anger was kindled on that day, and he swore, saying, Surely none of the men who came up out of Egypt from twenty years old and upward shall see the land that I swore to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, because they have not wholly followed me. Another translation says, They have not wholly given, them, given me their hearts, so they haven't followed me wholly from their hearts. None except Caleb, the son of Japhna, and the, the Kenazite, and Joshua, the son of Nun, for they have wholly followed the Lord. Isn't that awesome? Discouragement, point two, will rob you of following the Lord. It will rob you of giving God your whole heart and being yes to Him. Because you put anchor points in disappointment. And those disappointments are bigger than God. The disappointment that they rocked up to this land and they've just spent all this time in a wilderness and then suddenly they realize they have to fight in this land. That there's giants in this land. It wasn't going to be as easy as they thought it was or at least in their own mindset it was like how hard it was it was going to take part of them to get how hard did they have to work to get the promise fulfilled when God just said just trust me just walk in 
And there's these roadblocks that fall in our lives, that take place in our lives, that when we see them, we think it's impossible to get over them because we only see them through natural eyes. And discouragement robs us of seeing us walking with the Father. It robs us of realizing that we are actually holding His hand and all we see is ourselves by ourselves, being called into something that's impossible, and we say no. And so I'm up there on the hill and God is like hitting me with this stuff. And he said to me, Jalil, Jalil, why did you lay your stones there in that one week? Why did you lay your memory stones? I was like, memory stones? This is interesting. I haven't heard of this before. Why have you put that as the hinge point of your life that will dictate what you do in the future, even around this business and other businesses I call you into? Because I was like, I don't, I don't want to do business again. This is just a personal thing. Maybe for you it's finances. Maybe for you it's sickness. Maybe for you it's, it's, it's calling. Maybe, maybe it's career. Maybe it's a host of different things that God has called you into, but disappointment has come and you've said, I'm laying my memory stones here. I'm going to create a memorial around what happened to me in this time where I was hurt, where I was disappointment, and I will build, build a memorial here, and the memorial is called discouragement. I said to the Lord, and he just said to me, well, Jalil, I want you to think past that into the joy of your business, where you saw God engage you, where I was, where, where I was clearly there. And so first I just, I got on my knees and uh, on the, up there on the hill and I said, God, I'm so sorry, like, forgive me. I want to move past this. I, I really, I don't believe that as believers we want to sit in discouragement, right? We don't want to, but sometimes we don't know how to move past it. And he said, I want you to start to think about the times I showed up. And I start to think about the times that he showed up within those five months. And I started remembering the times of serving yogurt in that store. And that store being full of people and the joy that it brought to my heart. The times where we shared the gospel with people and people came back in the next day because they were so hungry to learn more about Jesus. The time that we had with our staff in the kitchen, the people we got to employ, the joy of like building the shop and just the way that it all came together and it was quite miraculous. Just the, the way it was built and, and the family, we had people get around us who actually donated their time and effort to build it for us. And just the joy, the, the, oil, the oil of the spirit that allowed their shop to come, to come into being. And I suddenly got overwhelmed with the goodness of God. And he asked me, he said, why didn't you lay your memory stones here? You see, Disappointment and discouragement, well, disappointment happens in life, but discouragement, I believe, is like a learnt behavior. It's learnt. Their forefathers discouraged him and said, why will you do the same thing as your forefathers have? Where we choose 
Discouragement is really just lack of courage. That's what it is. It robs you of courage. It robs you of faith. It'll rob us of reigning in life. That's why I'm coming back to this. It started with this, that we get to reign in life. You can't reign in life and walk in discouragement. In Joshua chapter 4, it's really, really beautiful. And I I love, we've got a few families in in uh, in this room. And I found this really encouraging for me. Because <clears throat> I discovered that that faith can be imparted or discouragement can be imparted through your parents. And we have a great father who's above our parents, so we get to in- encounter his love and his encouragement. But sometimes some of this stuff is actually just passed on through our family. And, do you know, I had an incredible incredible childhood. I, honestly, if I look back, I've been working with these street kids, I just become more aware of how incredible my childhood is. But I can tell you that discouragement robbed me of the joy of it when I look back at it. Because I laid so many memory stones in the pain because that was the greatest emphasis to me I felt like when I was growing up was where I was falling short continually with my parents. And when things got blown up where the greatest emotions were laid was where I was falling short. And so they were the most important things in life. Does that make sense? Now, I don't, I don't think that my parents are like this, but I'm not saying that this is what they did on purpose or even if I, I think my father and my mother are incredible people. So this is not a slide on them. But I felt that, that my shortfallings were were the pivotal points of life. Does that make sense? My relationships were shaped around that. Relationships with my family were shaped around these things. And so when I looked, look at my life, I realized that I set up all these stones in my life, which is where also unforgiveness can lie, right? If you don't forgive, they actually create greater levels of discouragement because it, it actually hinges you, it binds you to those low points or these disappointments in life. It actually bind you to them um, and I couldn't see the roses amongst the thorns and so I'm up on the hill and the Lord starts speaking to me about my family and starts to rebuke me about discouragement with my family and he said why did you lay them here and not these great times with you had with your family why did you lay with these fun times these great memories these amazing experiences I grew up on a farm my parents were missionaries in Aboriginal community in Aboriginal community you know they we got we got homeschool we got so much time with my family there's so many beautiful things that took place in my life but because of a I believe like a learnt behavior I wasn't able to see the roses amongst the pain or amongst the disappointment And if you build that up in your life, it sets you up, right? It sets you up for discouragement. In Joshua chapter 4, the children of Israel have now passed over the Jordan River. God has like done an amazing miracle. Just like they went through the Dead Sea, the Jordan River splits and they walk through on dry land. Who's done it? God. He's like, I'm going, to make this, I'm going to make this way open for you. You're going to walk into lands that are full of giants, lands flowing with milk and honey, and I'm going to split the water open for you. 
just so that you know how great I am and how, how much I'm for you. And so as they walk through, they're then commanded to every tribe to grab a stone and to grab a stone out of the river and to heap up a, a heap of, of stones on the side of the river. And God says to, God says to the children of Israel, in verse, let's read verse 5, And Joshua said to them, Pass on before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan, and take up each of you a stone upon his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel, that this may be a sign among you. A sign. A sign among you. In the children of Israel, they had some rough times when they went into the promised land. They had some great victories like Jericho, but they also had some rough times like A, where they were slaughtered. <laughs> they had like rough victories where I think it was, um, was it Joshua? No, Caleb tried to take a, take a fortress and he had to keep going back and continually trying to take the court, f- fortress and there were Philistines in the land. And God didn't say to lay the, the memory stones around that. He said, I want you to lay the memory stones, the memorial stones, around where I move. Significant places where I've moved in your life. And I want you to, you know, we don't do this. We just, we just maybe write a story about it. But they, they got big boulders and made a memorial out of it. And he said this, he said, and when the souls of the fear of the priest bear in the ark, uh, where is it? When your children, hey? What did I say about discouragement or encouragement come from? Where does it come from? Our parents, really. How we train our kids up. What we put weight on. When your children ask in the time to come, what do these stones mean to you? Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord when it passed over the Jordan. The waters of the Jordan were cut off so that these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. A memorial, what is that? It's a place that you go back to remember. I was up on that hill and the Lord said, it's time for you to put the stones in the right place in your life. It's time to shift them. Discouragement is not your friend, I'm your friend. I want you to see me clearly. I want you to start to celebrate the victories. The times where I came through. Put your hand up. Put your hand up if you don't have a story about God moving in your life. Let me just put your, okay, put your hand up in, if you're in the room right now and you um, are struggling with fear of some side or you've had issues with fear in the last week. Yeah, cool. Sweet. Okay. Now maybe some of that fear is coming out of a disappointment that's led to discouragement in your life. And you've chosen to exalt that above the reality and the truth of God. You know, the children of Israel, they went, came out of Egypt, out of a, a pharaoh that slaughtered their people, killed their children. And then they projected the character of pharaoh onto God and assumed that he was the same as pharaoh. You've just brought us out of Egypt to kill us. You're just like pharaoh. It, often we project our past onto our future. You've just 
taken us out of Egypt to kill us in Canaan. They couldn't get over the fact that God was actually who he actually is, good and great father and nothing like Pharaoh. Maybe it's an issue of health or maybe it's an issue of self-worth, identity, value. It's time to shift the stones. Maybe you've never felt love in your life. But there is a stone-shifting place that takes place when we come to the cross because suddenly our stones and memorial stones are laid there around our value. It's not what mom said to me or dad did to me or that boy or that girl or how I treated myself, my disappointment. I've laid my memory stones where memorial stones have been now laid at the cross. My value has been set. I'm worth the blood of the living God. I believe, that's what it, I believe that God's calling us as, as a people to live free from discouragement, walk through dis- disappointment, as we start to rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. There's this passage here. How are we going for time, man? 12, quarter, quarter past, yeah? Awesome. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3. Just before I get to that, just encourage you parents. It's been an encouragement to me. It's like, what do I celebrate in my kid's life? Where do I put weight? As a, as a father, am I going to look like my father? I'm going to actually spend time and more, you know, for every one discouragement, I give 10 encouragements. Yeah? Every one, like, I don't know if that's right, celebrate actually what's going, what the good, the life, the, what's happening. I, I feel like that shifts, that'll shift a whole generation if we start to celebrate and teach our kids to lay memory stones in the right In the high places, not in the low places. 2 Corinthians 10 verse 3. Oh, this is Paul, he says. Paul is like actually saying, um, trying to give his, uh, he's trying to defend himself and his right in being an apostle. And then he goes on to talk about his weapons. He says, for though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. Isn't that incredible? Still in the show, Judah. <laughs> He's such a cool kid, isn't he? <laughs> He's a lad, all right. For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. Do you know what? I just want to tell you that there is not a war that's going on in your flesh right now. So uh, the war isn't against your fleshly desires anymore. I, I don't believe that that's a war. That's the war that we're trying to fight. If you're trying to fight your fleshly desires, you're only fighting the symptom, not the problem. Does that make sense? If you can't control a porn addiction and you're trying to fight porn, that's the symptom. It's not the problem. And if you're trying to fight a body image or an eating disorder, that's a symptom that's not the problem. We don't 
our fight's not there. Our fight's deeper. And it says here, it says, we're not waging war against the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. Strongholds, things that are built up, stones, right? Strongholds, strongholds were built out of stones. In our lives, the devil's tried to build strongholds, walls against God through memory stones of discouragement and disappointment. Are you aware of that? Where are these, where's the stronghold? Where does the stronghold, is it outside somewhere? Are we, is there a fake stronghold like in the spirit out there that I'm trying to break? Or is the stronghold actually within our minds? And the minds of brothers and sisters. He goes on to say, we destroy arguments. Or where do arguments live? In the mind, right? We destroy lofty opinions raised against the knowledge of God. This is his weapons. He's like, these are our weapons as warriors and as an apostle of God. This is my sword. And take every thought captive to obey Christ. Isn't that awesome? We get to the thought, the weapons, the warfare that is going on in your life is not external. It's within the mind and it's not a fleshly thing. It's not just fleshly desires. It's rooted within the mind. It's, it's, the, only battle to be, it's, it's the only battle that we get to participate in now as believers. And Jesus has won it all and all we need to do is believe. Yeah, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to Jesus. The only thing that the devil do, is doing right now is trespassing and deceiving us. And his deceptions and his lies are actually, the Bible says, and John says, are actually part of his character. It's part of his nature. And so lies have no part of your character or your nature. Right? It's not part of who you are. So all we're doing is rooting out any lies that he's tried to build in us through experiences. I think like Jesus continually would have come against, we know he continually came against disappointment, right? He lived, he came to earth. I mean, his his disciples were just like continually being rat bags. Everyone else around him just wanted him for all their selfish motives. He said this generation is twisted and faithless. It's a twisted and faithless generation. And yet, in the midst of this, he never lost his resolve, never lost his faith, never lost hope, never stopped and said, maybe I won't go to the cross, it's not not worth it. His eyes and his focus were on the Father, and he constantly and continually celebrated what his Father was doing. Isn't that cool? And so the battle is really there in the mind and we just we take every thought captive to obey Christ, being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. That's pretty heavy, hey? In Philippians 3, verse 8 to 9, Paul's talking, he says, finally, brothers, whatever is true. So important, hey. Sometimes your discouragement can be built 
on a disappointment twisted with a lie. Are you aware of that? The enemy tries to get into disappointment and twist it with a lie. So I'm up on the hill and I'm crying and God says to me, Hey, Jalil, remember when, when this business didn't work? I told you, would you trust me that it's for your fruitfulness? Yeah? Now, I don't know what's going to happen in the future. But I remember about a, three days later, I said something to Beck. I said, Beck, like, how do we know why this, like, how do we know that God was like, teaching us stuff. I learned so much through that business. Uh, you know, you learn a lot through your failures. You're aware of that, right? And, and learn what you don't do. What, what you, you know, if, you, if you're teachable, you'll learn through them. And, the, and I said, like, man, I've learned lessons through that. Like, if we had succeeded in this business, I would have taken a whole lot of negative habits into my future about business. And we might not have lost thousands. We might have lost millions or hundreds of thousands. Do you know what I mean? And I started to realize, man, that for every disappointment, you can see with God a victory through it, a hope. There's always hope when you let go of discouragement. And <clears throat> so it says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is an, any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, worthy of praise, Think about these things. Meditation. Meditation is a key to living free, I believe, from discouragement. Meditation. And he says this. He says, practice these things. What you've learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Do you, need, do you know you need to practice meditation? Psalms 27 is one of my favorite psalms. David, he's, if anyone had it bad, it was David. But you know, David's life, he says, that though the enemy come against me, you're a stronghold to me. You're my fortress. You're my strong tower. You know, he's in the midst of a war. He's in the midst of a battle, and he's thinking about God being his stronghold. His men are dying around him, and he's thinking, God, you're my fortress. Hand-to-hand combat, and he's thinking, God, I'm kept underneath the shadow of your wing." Isn't that cool? Meditation. I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Where's his faith lying? Not in his experience, not in his past, not in his rejection of his family, not in the rejection of his brothers, not in the rejection of the king, not in the rejection of Israel. His faith is in the Lord. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Number two. Meditate, wait for the Lord. Rejoice all always. Again, I say rejoice. This is the will of God. If you're having a hard time with discouragement, start to rejoice in God. And as you do, the Spirit of God will show you where to lay the memory stones and see those things shifted and start to celebrate them. Beck and I have started writing a book for our kids called The Shelling Memory Stones. So that our children can read the stories of God in our lives. Testimonies of God in our lives. So they're written down for our children's children's children. We start to put weight on what God has done because he's done amazing things. Hmm. 
I wanted to do some activation, but we don't really have time. Let's just pray, hey? You know, if you just, if you feel like this has been a word for you, why don't you, why don't you just come on out? We're going to pray with you. Because I feel like the Holy Spirit can shift things in the mind as well. There's these there's the, the, the Lord works within the conscious mind, but he also is working within the subconsciousness. Things that, you know, for me, as I was on that hill, he, he made me aware of some subconscious thoughts that I wasn't aware of. That just brought healing to my life. And God wants to set you free so that you can walk in the promises of God for your life and so that you can follow him wholeheartedly. It's his desire that you might reign on earth as kings and priests before him. Amen. Maybe we get the worship team up and, yeah, if you want prayer, ministry time, I want to invite you guys to come up. And um, Otherwise, if you need to slip out and go, did you want to say anything else, Liam? Yeah, we'll pray. Yeah, cool. Well, if you need to slip out and go, that's fine. I fully get that. But let's just pray, hey. Let's just wait on the Lord right now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Lord, that you would make a people free from discouragement, full of faith, Children, Lord God, of the Most High Living God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, if you want prayer, come on up. Let's. Um, I'll ask the prayer team to come up. Let's pray for this. Pray this through. But I'd encourage you to just continue to bring this before the Father this week. Spend some time with Him. And if you're not struggling with discouragement, my my encouragement is to you is to put memory stones in the promises, in the places of victory, in the testimonies that God has written in your life and in your family's life. Start to record them, write them down, remind each other of them. Remind your children of why you're here. Remind them of who you are. Remind them of God's amazing blessing in your life. Amen. Amen. Can we just give Jay a huge hand?